So I'm, uh, I'm not Reverend, I'm James, and I wanted to say that I am honored to be a member here with my dear sweetheart wife, Elizabeth. And Elizabeth became a Christian here in Waldorf, and her mom was part of this church years back. But I tell you, what an amazing ministry it's had. So I met Elizabeth at Washington Bible College. Actually, we were on the mission field. From there, we went into the ministry on the mission field as a couple, and then we returned, started churches in the D.C. area, and then became a military chaplain. So for the last 30 years, been a military chaplain, an army chaplain in the army as well as in the State Department, and we saw and see the Lord opening many new doors, many new doors for us And it's an honor to be in the new beginnings and the new doors the Lord is opening here at Waldorf Grace. So when you think about new, you think about how exciting it might be to have this new year in front of us. You know, new can be exciting. And new is really a thrill. But sometimes some of the things that we have thought of or some of the things that we've experienced Even though they're new, they're not that fun. For example, have you ever thought about how wonderfully exciting it is to have new homework? Uh, Probably not. How about new bills or maybe even a new tax? That really excites a lot. So these really are not exciting new things. But I want to share with you from the scripture. Looking with me, please, in your copy of the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, about what God intends and what God can do to make a new creation, to make people a new creation. Listen as, actually read with me as we look through the scripture, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. It's on the screen there. Let's read together. You can read as you can read on the screen or from your copy of the Bible. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ. New creation has come. The old has passed away. Look, new has come. So thank you, Lord, for this time that we may also look to you, the new, the new Savior who has now given us new life. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this place that we may worship you, learn of you, and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, when you think about this scripture, you realize that it is saying this. Anyone, any girl, any boy, any woman, any man, any atheist, any terrorist, any I don't care-ist, anyone who comes to Christ can be a new creation. Anyone who comes to Jesus Christ, can be a new creation. And that tells us that the old thoughts, the old habits, the old prejudices, the old ugliness, the old whatever self-righteousness, anything that is not of Christ is gone. And I say is gone. The newly created Christian is come. And you may say, ha, I've not seen that happen. You know, that is a sad commentary on what we have seen in our world. And it is what we've experienced. 
But I want to go back to the scripture and I want us to hear what the Lord is saying. Because this scripture is literal. This is not just a polite euphemism. The word in verse 17, creation, is the very same word used in Genesis 1.1, translated from the Hebrew, talking about that which is created out of nothing. For it says, in the beginning, God created So though we're in the same body, we have the same problems, same people around us, and even though we were literally dead without Jesus Christ, anyone who comes to him is a new creation. And even the verb has come is in the past tense. And I want to say, friends, that and I have biblicists here. I have theologians here. I know you already. When the word of God says, has come, it is not just, again, a polite euphemism. This is now done. This is now completed. This is not a process of becoming a new creation. And you say, wait a minute. I got to understand more of what this new creation is. This morning, let's find out if we're a new creation. If not... Why not? And answer some questions, two questions specifically. Looking at 2 Corinthians 5, let's answer these questions. One, how? How did God make us a new creation? How did he do it? And the second question we're going to explore, why? Why did God make us a new creation? You know, when we look at the scripture and we ask the question, how did he do this? Sometimes people say, well, I'm a Christian, I'm in Christ, but sometimes they mean that they're renovating, renewing, reforming their life after Christ. But this is not possible. It is not possible to renovate a corpse. You would say, duh. It is not, because as Ephesians 2.1 says, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. But this morning, the scripture also says, but if anyone is in Christ, new creation has come. And I want to say, God did not renovate us. He took us from our dead, our walking dead, not to worry about the TV series, (laughs) our walking corpses, and he made a new creation to be a follower of Christ. So, How did he make a new creation? He did not snap his avenger fingers. He spilled his blood and he broke his body. So 2 Corinthians 5 verses 14 and 15 explain a little bit of this. And I want you to be a student of the scripture and find out for yourself. But as you look through this scripture you're going to see some key words, verses 14 and 15, that explain how he did it. Listen, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all. That those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. So Christ died 
and was raised for us. But in the same regard, he raised us. And I want to explain, as we look through verses 14 and 15, through the acronym RAISED, some of what he did to make a new creation. First off, he represented us. This is significant because the scripture in verses 14 and 15 say one died for all. It wasn't just anyone. He is the only one advocate who represents us when we were condemned to death and hell. He is the only one who took sin by representing us. So, you know, when I married, I had a best man. And the best man was there to represent me in case I couldn't be there to marry my wife, right? Good, good, good. No. I was the only one my wife wanted. Is that still true, sweetie? <laughs> Just check it. This is an important check. When Jesus died, he was the only one God who could represent us in that tragedy that was taking place because of condemnation. But that one is the one who represented us. Second, he accepted us. Verses 14, verse 14 says, one died for all. When Christ died, he accepted us. He accepted the price. He accepted the warts and all that we are. And so accepting us, he accepted us to become a new creation. And this, as I said, anyone is accepted to be a new creation. That's important when you think about how he made a new creation. Third, he included us. Verse 15 says, he died for all. More startling than anything else is that he died for everyone. 1 John 2 verse 2 says, not only did he die for our sins, but for the sins of the entire world. Everyone has the option to be included. Everyone. And so when Christ died, every miserable person upon this planet, he offered the opportunity to be included in his love. And I say the word miserable carefully because in our own lives and in the lives of humanity about us, there is either episodic misery, time and time and again, or there's silent misery. You see, without Jesus Christ, there is a miserable life. And that may be something that we have experienced, but this is how he made a new creation in order to include us. Fourth, he was substituted for us. He died for all. The verse 15, the word for is, means instead of. We should have paid the price. We should have taken the condemnation, the, the, the fault for our own. But he substituted himself for us, took our place and our penalty. This really was the great exchange 
Fifth, how he did this, he excites us. For Christ's love compels us, verse 14. That is, it motivates us, it energizes us, is what the apostle is saying in the actual word. When the great exchange happens, there's an exciting purpose. It's like marriage. You don't get married and just say, well, see you later. No, there's an excitement in order to love and care for each other, to serve and to live for the spouse. Jesus too. Jesus also is married to us so that we can live an excitingly new life for him. And last, he deploys us. Verse 15, so that they should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and was raised again. You see how he does make a new creation. It's for a purpose, and he deploys us. I told you I was a military chaplain for about 30, well, 30 years. And thank you. I think that was Carlitos. <laughs> so... I want to tell you a little story. I met this Marine, Lance Corporal Ron Payne. And when I met Ron, I was in the morgue, and he was there in a body bag. I never met Ron personally, but I was there with his first sergeant weeping over this man. And later on, I learned about some of the things that had happened in Ron's life. Ron became a Christian when he was a young man in Florida. But when he was on the USS Wasp moving towards Afghanistan in order to be in those combat operations, he recommitted his life to Jesus Christ. And he wrote this. Ron said, if I can, I will use my life to save some. I will. And I am, going to, I am not going to think, act, or be like the rest. I want to be like Christ. Ron led many many other Marines and some sailors to Christ in his platoon. And when Ron was confronted in combat by the Taliban, he said, you're going to have to get by me first. That day, Ron gave his life to save 11 of his men. Yet many, many more came to Jesus Christ. When we did that memorial for Ron, many more. Why? Because Ron knew that he was deployed as a new creation for Jesus Christ. What about us? You think about it. God made a new creation. How he did it was he raised us. He represented us. He accepted us. He included us. He substituted himself for us. He excites us. He deploys us. It's amazing how he did this. And that is the subject of music, especially the excellent music and the worship this morning. Amazing love. And yet you ask yourself the question, and that takes us to our second question, why? Why did God do this? Why did he make us a new creation? And why does he offer this to others, to this world? You see, Christ does not want a cheap renovation. He doesn't want a remodeling or a redo or a restoration. He made us new and he wants many new creations 
But there's two reasons. You ask the why. The first reason is to live by faith. The second reason is to live in the fear of God. So he made us a new creation. Why did he do this? To live by faith. And you say, well, I thought that was pretty much what we're doing. Well, verse 7 says, for we live by faith, not by sight. You know, God gives the gift of faith. It's interesting that we read in Ephesians 2.8, for by grace are you saved by faith. It, that is faith, the antecedent, is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. You know, in the past, we have lived by sight. We live by touch. We live by sound. But that's not faith. God gives faith as a gift. And we can't make or fake faith. We can respond. And we must respond and live by faith. So this is why God is making a new creation. So that we live by faith. So someone has asked, and people have asked throughout time, how do you live by faith? I think some of the answers are right here in 2 Corinthians 5. Look at the four new L's. These are some of the ways why he gave us the opportunity to live by faith. First, we live by faith by living for a new location for heaven. Beginning verse 1. For we know that if this earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built with human hands. For while we're in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us his spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. To live by faith means to invest time, treasure, effort in a new location. The building from God, and not in this temporary location called a tent. This life is broken And friends, we know that. And this old location is characterized by groaning, burdens, an unclothed feeling that is nothing fits, nothing to wear, nothing works out well. But our new location reverses decay. And for scientists, the second law of thermodynamics has been reversed through Jesus Christ. And as it swallows up death, notice that I said before, invest in heaven. The scripture says to live by faith means that we know that God, God's spirit has been given as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. And God guarantees dividends to us in the new location. That's why Jesus said, store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. You can actually invest in heaven. That is To live by faith. Second, to live by faith means we have a new longing, verses 6 through 10, a new longing to please Him. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are home in the body, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith, not by sight. We are confident, I say, and would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. 
So we make it our goal to please him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each one of us receive what is due for the things done while in the body, whether good or bad. To live by faith, friends, means that we long for something that we have not longed for in a long time. All our lives we've longed, worse yet, we've lusted for ourselves. And now we have a new longing. That's what a new creation in living by faith is. We have a new longing and we want to please him. We're not even ashamed to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Why? Because we love him. We want to show him. We want to honor him. We want him to be pleased with this life lived by faith. So third, to live by faith means we live with a new love, verses 11 through 15. It's a new love for souls. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. For Christ's love compels us. Because we are convinced that one died for all, and then are, therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised. To live by faith means we have a new love to reconcile all souls to him. This is not science, and it's not magic, but it is what God the Spirit does. And I'll tell you another story from my experiences in the army. Kyle was one of those guys who was a difficult soldier. But when we went to Afghanistan together outside of Kandahar, Kyle became a Christian. How he did it is good because he was being mortared by the Taliban on a hill. And during that time he was mortared, he accepted Christ. What a great time to receive Christ. And the first thing he did is he went to his squad leader, Brian Hobbs, and he said, Sergeant Hobbs, I want to learn how to love God. I want to learn how to love my wife. I want to learn how to love my fellow soldiers. He was compelled by a new love to reconcile souls to Christ. You know, this is why there is a new creation to live by faith, by having a love to reconcile souls. Fourth, we live by faith because it means that we live new lives. Verses 16 through 20 explain. You're an ambassador. I'm an ambassador. Listen, so from now on, we, on, now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, new creation has come. The old has gone, has passed away. New is here. All this is from God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. 
We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, as though God were making his appeal through us. We implore you, on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. To live by sight means we have a worldly view. Life's a problem, or life's only what you can get out of it. But to live by faith means we regard no one from this worldly point of view any longer. We have a Christocentric point of view, that Christ-centered point of view that says we're ambassadors. This is about a job that he has given us to reconcile others to him and tell people about the Savior. And I would say, friends, that we need to examine what we talk about because we need to talk about the Savior and nothing or no one else. To live by faith means we look at people, not problems. We see our lives as ambassadors, reconciling souls to him. So why? Why did he make us a new creation? For two reasons, live by faith, second, live in the fear of God. So by living by faith, he gave us a new location, a new longing, a new love, and new lives. But he also made a new creation, us, to live in the fear of God. And so this deals with the old that you read in verse 17, the old that you heard about. And you may ask the question, so why isn't the old gone? So there's two answers. One is good news. The old is gone. The old is gone because Jesus Christ guaranteed it, and the scripture cannot be broken. The word of God is clear. New creation is here. So he guarantees that. But the second answer may not be such good news. And this is the bad news, that the smell the smell of the old things is still with us. The word, the word for old is archaos, and it literally means ancient. It's like the old, smelly, musty, moldy grave clothes. Paul said this, put off your old self, which is being corrupted by deceitful desires. So God didn't make a new creation so that we could put the smelly clothes back on. Instead, we have to answer for the old. Why do we still have it? Friends, we're the reason. We're the ones who like the old smell. We're the ones who clothe ourselves with decaying style. We're the ones who justify ourselves and say, you can be a Christian and live like the world too. But to live in the fear of God means I don't want this world. I don't want to live as this world lives. I want to please God as a new creation. If I and you are in Christ. Now if is an important word. In our passage this morning it says if anyone is in Christ. We are a new creation being a new creation means accepting Christ. Experiencing the new creation means living for Christ by faith 
and in the fear of God. You know, the letters IF, if, can stand for I'm first. And if I'm first, Christ is last every time. Every time. But IF can also mean Jesus or Jesus first. When we accept Christ by faith, we become a new creation. That's position. Your position is never going to be shaken or rocked or changed. God does not lie. But experiencing and placing Jesus first, placing Jesus first, we can experience a new creation. That's action. Listen again to the scripture. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ so that each of us may receive what is due for the things done while in this body, whether good or bad. Since then, we know what it is to fear the Lord. We try to persuade others. You know, living in the fear of the Lord means that we will have to answer to him. But I want to say to you, friends, if you get a chance to answer to Jesus Christ, when you get a chance to answer to him, it's good to be able to say, I am I love you, and Lord, these are the gifts that I bring to you. We love the Lord, and we fear him. And so therefore, out of that love and that honor to him, persuade and love others to him. You know, we love people to Christ, not through terror, not through punishment, but we love people to Jesus Christ. And we can do that if we are in Christ. This is a big if. Are we being and experiencing life as a new creation? As I said earlier, we're miserable if we don't follow Christ. And any person, whether it be in episodic misery or in silent misery, without Jesus Christ as a new creation in our life, it's miserable. We need to answer are we living as new creations? So maybe the, the piece of paper that's in your bulletin or that piece of paper that's on the back of your bulletin in your hands will provide some answers. I want to ask you to answer four questions. Be honest. Be honest before God. No one's going to see this. No one's going to collect it. If you can't get done now, do it later. But do this, please, because I'll tell you why. The new creation is here. The old, smelly grave clothes must go in the trash. So I go, I'll go over these. Answer these four questions. You could do it now or later, but please, please do. Regarding our old ways, first, are we investing time, treasures, efforts in this location alone? Second, do we live by sight? Do we long to please ourselves and not Christ? Third, should we love ourselves more than we love others' souls? And fourth, why aren't we reconciling people to Christ as his ambassadors? If we've been honest all of us have the old smelly with us. I know I do. And it's been in our lives, my life. However, please answer the questions. And then crumple up that paper. 
and throw it in the trash, burn it or whatever, throw it away and live by faith and in the fear of God. As a new creation he has made, the old is gone. And now on the back of the bookmark that you should have received, and if not, there's some in the back as well, I would ask you to write these things down, to commit to live. Commit to live for a new location. Write down how you will invest in heaven by serving Christ through time, treasures, efforts. Commit to a new longing. Write how you want to please him. Commit to a new love. Write how you will work, walk, and witness for souls. And commit to him for a new life. Write how you will live as ambassadors, reconcilers for those inside and outside of this church. Friends, this is and can be your declaration of a new creation for Christ. So Jesus Christ makes anyone a new creation in this declaration. Will you come to him? Will you rededicate your life to him, maybe for the first time? Or last or next time you want to, or time you want to rededicate your life to him, to walk by faith in the fear of God. Your life as a new creation is more valuable than anything that I've said, anything that anyone can say. I would ask you, now is the time to be a new creation in Christ. And I'm going to pray right now, and I'm going to ask you to join me in prayer. You can join me silently. Or you can come up to this, these steps and pray with me. Or if you want to talk later or if you want to pray later or with the pastors, please. But I ask you, let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we come now before you because you are the one. You are the one who spilt your blood to make a new creation. We ask, oh Lord, that you would once again renew in us the desire for being a new creation. And for those who have not received you, Lord, for this be the day that they come into your family and become that new creation in Christ. Hear us, O Lord. We pray and minister because you, you give us the opportunity to live by faith and to live in the fear of God. And we thank you that you make a new creation of us. And many souls who you are drawing to yourself right now, we ask in Jesus, our God's name, and all answered by saying, amen. amen.